0: Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast Number 80: of School, Twitter, Cell Phones, and Content.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is uh, Troy Patterson with me, as always is Sean McCure, and It's good to be with you. It is good to be with you. Are you chilling back, sitting, relaxing? I forgot how that whole song
0: goes. Um, no, I actually, I'm frantically preparing a presentation for the Michigan Joint Education Conference that somebody signed us up for. Excellent. You should do that. <laughs> but it's not nearly as stressful as it would be if I was doing that and going to work every day. <laughs> There's a good point. There's a very good point. Actually, I'm enjoying that process. Yes. Yes.
1: So I thought we'd do something a little different
0: today for the opening of the show. I, 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 it is very different. I, I don't know what to do with myself, actually.
1: So I'm going we're going to do um, famous teacher questions and student answers. And in dramatic fashion, I shall be taking on the role of the teacher.
0: <laughs> I'm going to play my usual role. And Sean
1: is going to take on the role of the student. So here we go for your listening
0: pleasure. Teacher asks, are you in the top half of your class? No, I'm, I'm one of the students who make the top half possible. <laughs> bam, bump. Yeah, so we
1: need we need a we need a little rim shot here. Host. Um, <laughs> teacher says, the picture of the horse is is good, but where's the wagon? Oh, the horse will draw it. <laughs> teacher, why are you picking your nose in class? My mother
0: won't let me do it at home. <laughs>
1: That one's probably too true in some places. Um, Why are you reading the last pages of your history book first? I want to know how it ends. (laughs) Yeah, and then this one is definitely a middle school issue. Um, What could, (laughs) a science teacher asks, what could we do to stop polluting our waters? Stop taking (laughs) baths? And finally, the question that you don't want to ask the child... Can't you retain anything in your head overnight?
0: Uh, of course, I've had this cold in my head for two days. <laughs> Bam, bum
1: Okay, that's it for the humor. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Nothing else funny from here on in. That's it for the humor.
0: The pain is over. No. <laughs>
1: I was listening to a podcast, by the way, the uh, the other day, and they were saying that they had done 25 minutes, and one of the guys had forgotten to push the big bread button, <laughs> so they had to start all over. <laughs> so I'm keep looking at the record button going, I pushed it right. <laughs> I pushed it right. <laughs> so hopefully this is being recorded, because <laughs> now I have this sudden fear that... <laughs>
0: well, and we've kind of done that before. <laughs> and by we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not letting you hang out there on your own. Speaking of not being out there on your own, um, how about some stuff from uh, from the Twitterverse? <laughs> uh, I reposted the the link to Photopeach from Russell Tarr about uh, creating movies simpler than Animoto, especially for younger students. I love this quote from Sharon Elin. I'm not ADD, but I am totally paralyzed, focused, challenged, and facing a severe mo- motivational drought just when there is important work to get done. I know that feeling. Uh, Russell Tarr posts a really cool link to iPods in Education. I'll let you look at that, comment on it. and uh, Why don't you post something back here at the uh, at the webpage, and we'll start a discussion on that. Um, we, did human- some,
1: we did get some – by the way, we did get some feedback that I think people would like more – at least a few people would like more information about using some of those things in the classroom, iPods specifically. But, um, and you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting issue for me because at one point I was ready to bring a whole bunch of palms into the classroom.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And well, that was like two months before they started mysteriously kind of going away. Um, and, and so it brings up lots of interesting points about how long is the technology going to last? Is it going to be something that's useful for a long time? You know, the skills that the kids could have learned still would have been good. And it still may have been something effective. But, um, but it, it's, it does bring up some interest as far as schools are not designed to turn things around quickly.
0: Well, that and some of the technology, technology is moving so fast that as soon as you get it and implement it in that time span that it takes to get things and implement and write curriculum for it, it may be gone. I mean, it's just surpassed by something else.
1: Well, and that's what I mean. Schools are not are not designed to be turned around, turning around quickly, to be turning on, on a dime kind of thing. And so you can do a lot of these things, and... Um, as long as you acknowledge that it's the fundamental, um, the background of what you're teaching, the concepts that you're teaching, and that the technology can change and that's okay, I think you're okay. But it it brings up a lot of interesting things as far as how do kids re- react to it? Are they going to say, "Oh, this is old stuff. I'm not going to bother with it." Um, and I know with all of the with all of the um, Financial situations, one of the things that I'm commonly hearing from boards of education and lots of others is cut technology purchases, cut technology purchases, cut technology purchases. So mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting balance, I think, between where do we need to go, how are we going to get there, how are we going to fund how we get there. So anyway, a little tangent there, but I, I, I do think that it's um, – I'm also clicking now, so you're going to have to talk for a while.
0: i going to go check out the info because it's something that. it's
1: uh, Yeah, yeah it interests me. So,
0: so Sean, well, the, the, next,
1: the rest of the show will be brought to you by
0: Sean. <laughs> uh, you know, you look like somebody who needs a job. I mean, more than what you do. <laughs> <all>. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take so, that. So, it's humans looking for a smart board presenter for uh, June 22nd and 23rd in Pennsylvania at a conference that we posted a link to. Um, The coordinator contacted her, but she can't do it, so she's looking for somebody to help out. So we'll repost that here in the uh, show notes, and you can link that and and get a hold of her if you're interested in a job. And
1: Um, speaking of smart boards, um, Marzano has some research that says that smart boards are a way effective um, tool. I, I, and Marzano is currently the hot patootie as far as uh, mm. research researchers go. And he um, just did a um, – he just had a research paper come out on smart boards. And I'm not sure if it was directed specific. I don't remember if it was directed specifically at Promethean boards or more generally smart boards. I think more generally smart boards. But saying that it makes a difference in classrooms, they become more collaborative, um, and the kids get more involved.
0: Hmm. This, this of course, means that I will be the last one to get one. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, they're I mean, they're, they're they are. I mean, they're not cheap. Um, no, but they're so nice.
1: Well, yeah, we have lots of them in my building.
0: We got two. Uh, uh, Promethean ran a ran a promotion. Since we're going off on a sparkly tangent here, I'll just I'll go there with you. Um, offered a promotion where if you tried them out, they would install them, and then you could purchase them at a discounted rate, mm-hmm. two of them. And so we have two in our building. And then the software that the that is online is not the same software, I guess, that they were trained on. So they didn't exactly get used this year because the tech person wouldn't go in and install the software that they've been trained on. They wouldn't just download the stuff from online, which well, they, is much
1: as far as Promethean boards, I can tell you that they did just um, – they have new software out for the Promethean boards. They went from Active Studio to Active Inspire. And mm-hmm. um,
0: Okay.
1: And um, it is it is different, but – okay, we have – I missed one room. Otherwise, we would have them in every room in our building. <laughs> and, and so, you know, hopefully next year we will have them in every room in our building. And um, we also have the um, active expression voters because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a big believer in formative assessment and knowing what kids know. And this is just another tool where you can tell – you can have the entire class – Get feedback from the entire class very quickly. So the kids have them, the kids are used to using them. You can have them ring in on a Likert scale, you can have them ring in multiple choice, you can have them text in the answers. Um, by the way, they can't text very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can
1: really tell the kids that text with the old style phone, uh, you know, the candy bar phone style phone, mm-hmm. versus those who don't, because some of them are done pretty quickly and the majority of the classes um how do you get the s again (laughs) um so you know that's been an interesting experience and getting getting the feedback but i'm a big believer in getting that feedback because if you ask the kids you know the question when you're asking for hands you're going to get one response back and with the voters you can get a response from everybody get a chart real quick, see if the kids tend to understand it or not, and then you can track it back to which kids do and which kids don't, and, and, um, take that information and use it to inform instruction. So that's why I think that's a big, big piece. Um, I'm going to pop a link into the, um, the Marzano bit, um, and, and, and I like this. This is another one of those dumb moments. Technology combined with good teaching <laughs> leads to success. <laughs> so of the classrooms employing the, the interactive whiteboards and using the voting technology, there was an immediate increase of 17% in scores. He also found that if a teacher had been given 20 to 30 months to hone his or her skills, there was an average 20 percentile gain. The sweet spot is when a teacher was trained to use the technology, used it for two years, and did so 75% of the time. That profile shows a whopping 29% gain in scores. That's 29 percentile. So that's taking a kid from 60 to 89 that is huge but he also warns there's too much there's a thing is too much technology <gasps> oh no
0: can you have such thing
1: well he he adds that you clearly can't take the human mean out of teaching so um, I think the voting yeah. part is, is is absolutely huge, and I think that's what he's talking about as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'll pop a link into the show notes so people can check yeah. that out. And I interrupted you, so.
0: I'm, I'm I should have done this sooner. I'm looking to see where I left off in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we actually follows the show notes. <laughs> And I'm going to call us our
1: off-topic section. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll just pick uh, pick a speaker up. Uh, you are but. on the. You're in the you You're in our. Our. Our Murray. If that helps, about hey, five can down. Can you give me a tweet?
0: Um, planning on using a, a Twitter next year. There's some interesting ways to use Twitter to keep in contact with your your parents and your students. Use. Um, a specific uh, Twitter name and just post what you're doing in class, post, post what the homework assignments were, and then the kid can't go home and say I got nothing to do, or then the parent doesn't have to say, well, show me your planner. And there's no planner. To be found. I left my planner at school, so then you know, there's no way to verify what mm-hmm. you know they're supposed to do or not supposed to do. And um, now, and, and
1: anyway. how do you feel about this? Because I really think that this is something that's better done on a blog where you have a running post and you, you don't have so much incoming. Now, the difference is it's, that's a, you have to go to it rather than it coming to you.
0: Right. Unless you subscribe. It, you could do an RSS well, subscription. Yeah, and and I guess it depends on your community, what community that you're in. If you've yeah. got really tech-savvy parents, then that's not going to be an issue. But if you've got – well, see, here's the nice thing about Twitter, though, too, is that I can – if I'm using Twitter to push this stuff out to my parents – Mm -hmm. I can push it right to their cell phones. They don't have to have a computer. That's true. And so that might be one more advantage than using a blog. Uh, Of course, with the blog thing, I can control responses back.
1: With a blog, you can control control the responses back. You have a running history, and you get more than 140 characters. So you can be much more descriptive in what the homework is. So instead of instead of being limited down to remember your homework is page thirteen one through four, you can actually say, Okay, da 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 remember to do a thieves, remember to <laughs> remember to um you know complete a Frere model on the mm-hmm. the, the following <laughs> following
0: things. We should videotape this sometime. <laughs> um yeah but by the same token i'm not opposed to using more than one tweet to uh <laughs> all right, all right. To describe what i have to describe and of course i'll take i'm not opposed to to shortening homework to hwk which gives me frees me up to some other things um if i use tweet deck i can there's a shortener right within tweet deck itself and i can shorten links and I could, I could, I could, you know, use semaphore. No, I can't use semaphore. <laughs> <laughs> Get up, smoke uh, signals. Speaking, speaking of pushing things out there to uh, the Twitterverse, NMSA is now on Twitter. Uh, quote, quoting here for everyone who uses Twitter, you can now follow NMSA News and Headlines uh, at Twitter. And the the link is HTTP. You don't necessarily, I suppose, need to do that, but Twitter dot com slash NMSA all caps and then news lowercase, no space. And then you can follow the latest events and things that are happening. You don't have to go to NMSA's website; you can go straight to your Twitter and get a push straight to you. And there are currently twenty-five followers of the tens of thousands members. Mm-hmm. So, I think really the NMSA
1: it, the NMSA is an interesting mix and in, of who is technologically proficient and where they're technologically proficient. Because I think like. A, uh, I think a lot of the people who uh, like go to NMSA and that are going to follow Re- Will Richardson. They're going to s- follow Steve Haggard on. They're going to be involved in some of that, and y- you got to get something out of it.
0: Well, I, one of the things that I found was really interesting at last year's annual conference was how uh, Will Richardson was a featured speaker. Mm-hmm. Featured. I mean, his pictures plastered everywhere. You know, he got a little extra push for his session, and and it was sparsely attended. Um, I was there, I, 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 and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great session. Um, I think, I think people find a comfort zone, a technological comfort zone and then stay there. Uh, and I'll use middle talk as an example of that. Middle talk is a lister. Listservs List have been around for a very long time <laughs> and in, in web technology, that would be very web 1.0 or maybe even uh, point point 0.5. Point <laughs> yeah. So. But, there, but uh, Middle Talk is a very active listserv. People are still networking on that, uh, asking questions, getting help, getting associ- or making associations and connections with that. It's a very active community. In that same community, you know, you would think to see in both on Ning or on Twitter or in Facebook. And in, in, in those areas, it's not developed like, like Middle Talk has um, when i think of if I, when i think of con- connecting with middle school people in on the national level through nmsa i think of of middle talk i don't think of those other places like the ning or and it's not that they're you know bad places but it's just, just 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 where the people are right and and or the nmsa members are and and so um people are very willing i think to stay within that middle talk listserv because it's a comfort zone because it's something they've always done it's already set up they don't have to reset up anything mm-hmm. um and so I think that's why you're not know, seeing a lot of push in, the in, in like, Twitter and Facebook and other places for, I know, say, the Ning, for example. Yeah, of course, I haven't so, been to the Ning in a while.
1: And, and I think, that, I think I mean, neither have I, and I think that speaks volumes with as much time as you spend online. <coughs> um, <laughs> you know, if you're not going there, <laughs> and, and, and I'm not going there, who is? And we'd really like to hear from you, the listener. Where is it that that you spend your time online,
0: and why? Oh, well, I know they. I know where they spend it. I can answer that question for. Our where listeners. do they spend it? They spend it at middleschoolmatters.com. And while they're there, they surely should post a comment. They should. They should post a comment, and they sh- you know they could even send Troy an email at middleschooleducators at gmail dot Absolutely. Yep, they, if they could, they, there's a link right there for that. Plus, we've got some other, you know, friends and folks around the uh, around the uh, the country and the uh, the if There's such a word. And you could, you know, click on the, the links on the right hand side there and visit some folks that you know we've met. By the way, Carol Joselle uh, would like to meet us. She's uh, presenting again at NMSA. Well,
1: we'll so have to. We'll
0: have to make some we'll make some them, time to. We
1: we'll have to go say hey.
0: Yeah. We'll see her.
1: Okay, I've now changed right. off-topic to sparkling moments section. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, if posted nine reasons teachers should use Twitter, go take a look at those and post a comment back back, back on, the, on the page and make that a, a, a topic uh, discussion generator. Daniel Pink, who is somebody who's speaking at um, MSA this year, uh, had a great quote on on Twitter this week. Uh, Eureka! And then he quotes uh, the Wall Street Journal: "Our brain, may, oh, our brain may be most actively engaged when our mind is wandering." Mm-hmm. That's an interesting statement.
1: It's, a, it's an interesting thought too, in terms of what does it mean for education.
0: Right, exactly. How important is play then, when it comes to? Of course, uh, who's it? Um, the, um, oh, I picked it up in the in the airport. Uh, um,
1: Pinkerton? Pinker?
0: No, it was a magazine. And in there, and the reason I picked it up was because one of the, the uh, lead articles was the importance of play and how important play is for stimulating creativity and keeping work interesting and motivating. And they were thinking in terms of uh, employees, motivating employees mm-hmm. to be the most productive. But by the same token, you could say the same thing for your students, you know, inspiring your students or creating. Giving the, the the tools to your students to be their, their their most creative and their their best at their job, which is learning learning the content. Um, I'll have to find that thing. I think I threw it out when I cleaned up my room. And, and
1: I think that's a real, uh, you know, the, the as the we look at the pendulum in education. There's a, a lot of discussion now about the standardized testing, standard, 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 standards and preparing kids for the test and what's getting cut out frequently are those those play activities or those social activities and they're also finding that some of those things are crucial and end up leading to better performance on tests when you address some of the social aspects and some of the play ac- aspects. Hmm. Um, you know, we tend to think because the test is multiple choice that it has to, everything has to be done very logical, very sit, read, sit, read, sit, read, do, practice, 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 practice. And what some people are saying is, you know, you can improve test scores by increasing brain capacity.
0: <laughs> I'm sure I said mm-hmm. that wrong and somebody will tell me. <laughs> and you can tell us at middle school educators at gmail.com.
1: Attention, Sean.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Will Rich. Well, Will Rich, yes. Will Rich 45. Will Richardson. Um, this morning he said it's in, he found it interesting how the first thing he checks in the morning is his Twitter feed. And of course, Will Richardson is very much a you know technologically wired into the, uh, the whole 21st century education thing. But one of the first things I thought was interesting that one of the first things he does in the morning is check his Twitter feed, not his Facebook, not his other things, but he checks the wow. uh, Twitter feed. Um, Russell Tower found a place for some digitized flip books. So we use flip books for your differentiated instruction. This might be an idea for you to use. Do check it out. See if it's something you might want to use in your your instruction this coming fall. Maybe you're te- teaching summer school. You could use it the summer. Uh, Jessica Meacham has a whole personal narrative unit. The the link provided by Brenner Smith or Deb, sorry, Deb, um, is a link to a link but it's, uh, it's worth checking out some interesting things there, too. A whole personal narrative unit, because a lot of people use, a lot of districts are using personal narratives to uh, do their AYP writing assessment, and they're also using it to help them prepare for their state assessments. Huh. So um, something to check out there. Uh, Clay Shirky explains how Twitter and Facebook have changed geopolitics. It's in our, by Clay Shirky. You can, you can check out. That's posted by PC Mike. He's in our, our area over here. Um, Social media gives educators options, and it's a lot of what we've already talked about, but there's a a link to an article that backs up or talks about a lot of what we've already talked about when using social media, how you can use it to make connections, um, improve student achievement by connecting with parents, that sort of thing. Um, Pamela Livingston did a presentation at the University of Michigan-Dearborn this past winter. Best word for it, I guess. Um, and she's holding a copy of her second edition to her book called One-to-One Learning Laptop Programs That Work. So if you're looking to do a one-to-one laptop program, and we've, we've seen some questions posted uh, around, the, mm-hmm. around the about people looking for information on um, one-to-one learning laptop programs, uh, she's got a book on it. Apparently it's, it sells really well. Uh, let's see. Angela Myers is retweeting Suzanne Whistler, who has a link to how to use Twitter in your classroom. There's a whole video on that. Um, we've talked about friend feed. Uh, so we know some folks that, or we listen to some folks that use it. Um, one of the things we talked about how is if you could unify a lot of the Twitter, the the Facebook and some of the other social media things into one, one aspect that it would greatly improve people's
1: kind of like a one-stop shopping
0: instead of yeah. going to visit
1: check this site and that site. And the other site, and for me, it's kind of like using RSS. Instead of visiting, you know, 20 websites every day, I just open up my RSS feeder, and if there's any changes on any of those 20 sites, it just sucks right down to me. And instead of reading, going 20 different tabs on my on my browser, I just have a rolling list of articles, of, and, and if, if something is of interest, then I can click on and read further, or... Um, just allows you to cut out a lot of the cruft and find what you're looking for a lot quicker.
0: Yes. Cruft. Cruft. Today's that's word. It's my new word for the week. Cruft. I'm going to use that Wednesday. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, there's some stuff there to, uh, <laughs> related to Fred Feet. Uh, some math tricks, uh, magic tricks, sorry, t- to use in math for lesson starters. I uh, posted a link to that from Russell Tarr. Um, I thought this was interesting. Mean, my life is stressing me out so i 'm going to head to second life to see if there's any see if that one is any better it 's got to be so there's there 's somebody using second Life as a way to escape real life and uh, meet with others she 's a teacher so she 's probably meeting with i hope meet with, meeting with other teachers. Um, this is the tallest Australian redhead I know his name is Robert Stribley, and uh, he he posted this warning: do not use Twitter to prola- proclaim yourself a guru or I shall strike down mightily upon thee there's your warning. There's your warning. Your warning. All right. Uh, sparkling moments we've already talked about, but that's the link to Edutopia. and the uh, <laughs> now it has an officially what 18-point font uh, <laughs> title heading. All it needs to be now is blue or green. Um, and Marzano smartboard. So there's the there's the whole research connection there for you. What's in the news? We need like a news like ditty or something. We need like a music out there to make us like a news ditty.
1: That would require somebody learning how to use uh, some of the software a little bit better than somebody knows how to use the software. Maybe (laughs) I can make the...
0: Maybe I can throw that into the
1: the, uh, 20,000 other things I'm going (laughs) to learn this summer how to do. So... uh, There's a couple things that I thought were interesting, and one of the... The first one is actually a carryover from last week, but don't tell anybody. Um, And that is that... Palm Beach County Elementary School is in the Boca Raton area elementary schools are um, kind of up in arms here. They're they're considering a mandatory plan to drop the traditional one teacher model in grades three through five. So you know we have that model where you get one teacher grades three through five. Basically, I mean they go out for specials usually come back. Uh-huh. But I thought this was interesting. You're talking about plan about grades three through five. They're looking at departmentalization.
0: Hmm.
1: So students would have different teachers for reading, um, language arts, and they do reading slash language arts, math, science, and social studies, similar to middle schools. Principals are free to use this model for the first and second grades in even kindergarten. Hmm. Students who are eligible for gifted classes will continue to receive the same amount of specialized instruction. Um, Parents, though, are kind of up in arms, and they're asking for research or some proof that that student performance improves under departmentalization. I don't like that word. Some parents are opposed to the change on the grounds that their schools are already performing on a high level. And that, you know, why change? Um, and, you know, reading through the article, a big part of the issue was communication. Um, and that's a big part of, of, of the article and a big part of, of the, the news, because this comes from the Sun Sentinel, but what I found even more interesting, because the communication aspect is an easy one to fix, you know, it's something that, okay, they need to do better. Mm-hmm. But the underlying aspect of essentially moving a lot of the middle school principals to third grade, third through fifth grade, um, and having what they call subject matter experts rather than teachers who are jacks of all trades. So, and, and I think it's an interesting discussion is to, because we talked about the social aspect a, a little bit, just a, a few minutes ago here about whether it's better to, you know, about knowing the kids and addressing some of the social aspects and some of the affective, some of those, quote, touchy-feely things Versus uh, addressing the straight, can you answer us on a standardized test issue? And this seems to me to be a kind of a response to, we want kids to do better on the standardized test kind of thing. Um, instead, uh, and is this the best way to do this?
0: It's, it seems like they're not talking about interdisciplinary lesson planning. They're really talking about teaching each subject in isolation with one teacher act, acting as the expert, the, the sage on the stage. Um, students who are eligible for gifted classes would still get it. This is all part of a, their, their plan to improve their FCATs, the Florida mm-hmm. Comprehensive Assessment Test, which is going to expand the science and writing in 2011 um i I think um, look just looking at this i think they're doing mis- middle schools a disservice here because i don 't think they're actually using a middle school model they 're using a junior high model, which is teach in isolation right each each concept which we've which you know this we believe in and, and the carnegie foundation's report and jackson Dawson or jackson dawson i'm still thinking uh, businesses in downtown Detroit. Um, the uh, the uh, jackson Davis uh, documents all tell us that teaching those things in isolation are not the way to well not the way for middle schoolers to learn uh, content you teach in relationships you' in, uh, interdisciplinarily you teach using uh, a, a a real life um, uh, applicable situation mm-hmm. you you teach um, they may they they may be if this is their concept in middle school they may be operating on a they're operating on a, uh, on, a, on a false assumption of what middle school is.
1: Well, and that's, and that's partly why I thought this was an in- intriguing article because, they, and, and here's one of my wonders, my slash fears, slash whatever, however you want to term this, is what if the kids do better on the standardized test, but when they graduate from high school, they're less prepared for the real world? There, I, I have seen absolutely nothing that convinces me that the better the kids do on these standardized tests is thoroughly indicative of how they're going to do in, in, in the world after they graduate from high school.
0: There was a group that did uh, studies five years out after high school and, and measured the progress of, of high school graduates. Do they still do that sort of thing, I wonder? Because our, our ISD did it for several school districts in our In our county? They, well, they still, there still is,
1: they still do the tracking of students, but they get harder and harder to track. Yeah. Uh, Usually one year out of high school, you can kind of find most of them. By four years out of high school, there's very few that you can find. But I, I still question the underlying principle that if you do really well on a standardized test you are necessarily going to do and, and I think the really well is not a good example um, I think that I, I don't see as though the all of these standardized testing necessarily is completely correlated to later on success
0: well, um, well, you can't tell how somebody does three or four years out I had a superintendent one time tell me that students don't appreciate their education until they're five years out of school mm-hmm. um and 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 without doing any research I, I i tend to think that that's probably that's probably true um by the same token if you can't find those kids five years out after high school how do you know what their are you know you have to use a very very broad general basis for understanding what uh, folks quality of life is or their quality of if we're if we're saying that the education is going to be the uh economic determiner for um the economy as a whole—that's I mean, that, an awfully broad basis, broad assessment for specific programs.
1: Right, and that's and that's partly kind yeah. of what I'm trying to say, and not doing a very good job of, is that I'm I'm not convinced that just doing well on these tests leads to or correlates to great economic success, success for society down the road. Um, and And there are so many things that we do need to address um, and I, I you know in part, this is that kind of continuation of the business model of well, we create so many widgets, and this is our our failure rate. these are the number of widgets that aren't aren't acceptable, and you know we sell this many and and all of that um
0: well, you can do that if you go to a national curriculum where everybody teaches the same thing on the same day and everybody learns every concept the same way. Then you can say, "Oh, right, if I tweak this here, then I should see this change over here. Well, I think it's very clear we're going to a national curriculum. I, I think I mean, it's very clear will be
1: that we're moving and moving and moving. There is everything pushing us to or toward a national curriculum. I think we've been headed that way for a lot of years now because it's not something that you can do in a year or two. You have to lay a groundwork, and, and I think the groundwork's been being laid for about 10 years now. In mm-hmm. terms of going to a, a national curriculum, and I think we're getting closer and closer and closer the the question becomes is is that going to be successful? Is a national curriculum going to be the difference that makes things better and teaching the same things in the same way in the same on the same day? Is that the answer to getting kids to be successful mm-hmm. um, because you know quite frankly. We have kids who have very disparate needs. You know, kids are not like a piece of steel. We have kids that are, are come into school reading and, you know, reading more than just word identification. We have kids walking into school reading with a, a known vocabulary that is, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of words. And then we have kids walking in who um, don't understand the printed text, how a book works, and have vocabularies in the thousands of words. And we're going to put them in the same area and start them off at the same spot and teach them the same things on the same day all the way through school. We're going to have a variety of kids who are extremely bored and a variety of kids who are extremely frustrated. Mm -hmm. And... You know, that's partly what I think that we've actually done to this point is that even within our little fiefdoms, we, have, we t- still teach tend to teach to the middle, where we still we have a bunch of kids who are bored, and we have a bunch of kids who are really frustrated. And with NCLB, we're addressing more and more of the kids who are frustrated because we need to get kids to a certain level of proficiency. And I think part of the side effect of that And I wonder if part of the side effect of that is not addressing the kids who are on the top end of the scale. You know, I can remember 10, 15 years ago, we had a whole um, Ignite curriculum. You know, we had things to address the Ignite, the high-achieving kids, the advanced kids. That's gone. That's been gone for a long time with the budget deficits that we've been in. Mm -hmm. And the focus is on getting kids to the minimum standard. The kids who are beyond, we don't worry a lot about them because they're already going to help us make AYP. They're already going to be successful. And everybody's missing the air quotes. So, you know, we just don't worry a whole lot about them. And we need to. Okay, I was planning on this one being like a two-minute... (laughs)
0: Kind (laughs) of article. We're we're into this one quite deep. Uh, Well, it begs the the question, then, what about the Encore? I mean, as a middle school, um, you you keep your your kids engaged with your Encore classes and your, your, I don't call them enrichment, but, yeah, your your electives. Um, In in these days of budget cuts, those are the things that are going to be gone first.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And in the days of, of student intervention, because we know that the interventions are most effective during the school day. And if school if interventions are most effective during the school day, where do you get the intervention time from? You're not going to get it from language arts. You're not going to get it from math. You're not going to get it from social studies. So what's left? The electives. So you're going to end up cutting kids from elective areas In increasing the amount of time they spend in quote core classes, Mm -hmm. so they're going to get and end up getting more um, intervention time, less electives, less of the quote fun un end quote classes. Mm -hmm. But then there's a lot of research that shows that kids need to play, they need to be, and that they actually do better if they play and they're part of something, and they have somewhere they can be successful. And then we get into the whole issue of do you give them P.E. or not, and the obesity rate in America, and where is that going to go, and do schools have a responsibility to help address that as we move forward, and diabetes rates and all of that.
0: Well, in some states, mandate phys ed, so that's not an option to cut. That's something they have to do.
1: Well, they frequently mandate P.E., but how much do they mandate? They don't necessarily mandate it all year long. They don't necessarily mandate that they have it every day of the week. They don't necessarily mandate so, because states have to be careful with man, with mandating anything because if they mandate it, they have to pay for
0: it. Well, in, in, in quite a few districts, the numbers that a phys ed teacher can have in their, their class load uh-huh. um, are unlimited. Absolutely. And so a kid, uh, one, one phys ed teacher has 100 students? That's how you, that's how you solve your, your overload problem and your, your, your how much time do I give them? It really doesn't matter. I'll just stuff a bunch of kids in there for as long as I need to. Is it the best thing for that phys ed teacher? Does that um, is it the best thing?
1: And I, and I would ask a different question. Is that the best thing for the kids? Is that really solving the need or is that just filling in the paperwork?
0: Oh, I, that was that was assumed as soon as we said 100 <laughs> students per phys Ed teacher. Yeah, you know, yes. Concerns for the kid went straight out the window. Right.
1: So, okay. So my little two minute throwaway article just became.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, All right. I so, but that with your five minute one.
1: But here's the here's the key, that that I think is interesting. I think it's a good point of discussion. Is should third through fifth graders, and then by extension, sixth through eighth graders. Is departmentalization, I still don't like that word, um, the, the best way to do that? Um, and we'd love to hear from you on that. Here's something that you're going to be surprised about. I, I know you're going to find me. this shocking. But Uh-oh. did you know that many teens use phones in class?
0: <laughs> I, I heard rumors. I heard <laughs> rumors. I heard rumors. This, was, yeah, this I thought was interesting. Like they usually sound like ringtones.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> this I thought, because, you know, I mean, I, I, we've caught lots of kids texting. And I know that we've not caught lots of kids who are texting. Um, my favorite is, one of my favorites this year was the kid who texted his, text his dad to come and get him from school. And dad called the school. Because <laughs> the, the kid called, the kid texted his dad and said, the substitute won't let me go to the bathroom. So dad calls the school and says, my son just texted me and said, well, let me go to the bathroom. (laughs) So I went and took the phone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like the one where we had an interim assistant principal and kid received a text in class. And so I confiscated the phone and he came over and said, well, here, gave the phone back to the kid and said, Text the other kid and let them know we're coming. <laughs> Someone got two phones that day. <laughs> there
1: you go. So, anyway, but I thought this was interesting. This comes from the USA Today, and it says one fourth of teens' cell phone text messages are sent during class. Mm. One fourth. Despite widespread classroom bans on cell phones at school. <laughs> so they surveyed 1,013 teens, 84% of whom had cell phones. Um, also shows a significant number have stored information on a cell phone to look at during a test or have texted friends about answers. So um, it's just something that I, I thought it was interesting, the, the numbers. One-fourth of cell phone text messages. I think that's pretty pretty high are done during class um let's see um we got got some good articles to go yeah and we also have uh we also have some news and events so
0: Um, let me just stick here just for a second okay because i had a conversation with another teacher about this several months ago and she was very, very frustrated over the use of cell phones in the classroom—not necessarily for cheating, but just because they're always there and they're going off. And they're always being a big distraction. And, and one of the hallmarks of middle school education has always been we take what we take what the kids are using and we we turn it against them. It's like the old karate. That's home, right. You know, we we take oh, their wait till we grasshopper. <laughs> yes, my kung fu is stronger than your kung fu. That's right. Um, And I'm not saying i got a solution, but what if we were to take and use this cell phone situation and turn it against the kids? Like one of the the teachers in my building said, as soon as we require it for class, they'll leave it in their locker. (laughs) (laughs) You must have your cell phone with you. Oh, man. (laughs) I forgot. You're not prepared again today, are you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But there's got to be a way we can take and turn this um, and use it as as a curriculum thing where we do require them. Hey, um... You know, you're required to bring yourself on the to class day. I don't have one for you to borrow either. No, it's not like a pencil; you can have up at the, top of the you know front of your desk. Um, but there's got to be a way, and of course, we'd love to see some solutions. Ha ha ha! Mm-hmm. Um, and have you post some some ideas over at Middle School Matters? Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm not saying I got an answer to it, right? but there's got to be a way we can use this and turn this into. Um, how can we use it to, to support the curriculum? Even, even uh, make it a collaborative thing on a test. Questions uh, four and five, the two essay questions. You know, who did you text and what were their answers and do you agree or disagree? Of course then again parents are gonna say, Look what you're doing to my cell phone bill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're say, Get a bill from the cell phone from the parents, you owe me thirty-seven <laughs> dollars. Parents come in, yeah. yeah. This is just fourth hour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see now. Um your kid lost a book, so you owe me seventy. We required him to use texting in class, so I owe you thirteen. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be interesting.
0: <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, stop by the library. They've got to slip over there
1: for too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, our accounting classes, will be figuring out how much money we have coming in and going out.
0: Your simulation, your your, your culminating activity will be.
1: Who's the new secretary? She's, uh, <laughs> she's our accountant. <laughs> okay, um... Real quick, because um, otherwise this is going to be a three-hour tour. Um, I thought this was interesting. This is from ACS, ASCD. Um, and this is, um, let's see if I can get to the right one here. Um, on From Educational Leadership, it is about doing parent-teacher conferences. And this is supposed to be a free article, so I think everybody can get to this one. I hope they can because I'm a member so it, sometimes I just it automatically goes through for me and this membership code is uh, my membership goes is one, 111, one, 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 one. um ones and zeros right um Sorry, binary so the the uh, but the article the idea here is we don't train teachers on how to do effective parent conferences And they provide an example, and one of the things that they say is that practicing this is kind of crucial, just like anything else, training on it, practicing it, going through. And I thought, well, that would be a great – and that would be great professional development is role play that out, have the staff talk about it, what it is they would do. And here they have the case of a 15 – they say John Smith, so you know it's a real case Um, (laughs) – You know you know they're using real names. A 15-year-old student who is interested in music has started to avoid the band room. He's wary of that side of the school, asks his mom to drop him off on, on the other side. Mom doesn't think too much of it until she notices, uh, you know, Taryn's jacket, bruise on his neck. And then finally she learns out that three upper upperclassmen are bullying him, teasing him about being, quote, gay. Um, John breaks down and embarrassed tears at the table. Mother cries, doesn't know what to do while he's at school, which is a frequent thing that we hear from parents. I can't protect him at school. And so she requests a conference with his homeroom teacher. The teacher is brand new and she, you know, she likes what she does, but she studied discrimination as it relates to social justice, but... What specifically do you do at this school in this place, and how do you talk to the mom and how do you engage in those conversations and especially here where there 's going to be issues uh, there could be issues of sexuality brought in um, you know what do you, can you say what can 't you say so they they talk a, a lot about that they give you some um, some tips and some clues. Um, and they have a seven minute video, uh, which is a simulated, which points out that simulated parent teacher conferences give teachers an opportunity to practice in, interacting with parents. I just think it's a good professional development uh, topic that staffs could do because it leads to a lot of real conversation for, for teachers and for teacher practice. Hmm. So that's
0: like so, the video idea. It's really cool. Yeah,
1: and I think it could be well done. And you could you could do it like um, you know, I mean I, my staff is is well smaller this year and smaller next year than it was this year, but um, you know, roughly 50 teachers, we could do three or four groups, have a couple different role play, have teachers around observe and then have a conversation over what was said, how it was said, how they could have played out, and you could have, you know, three or four scenarios. So you give a teacher the, okay, you're the parent. Here's your scenario. You come in and you say, okay, this is what's happening. You know, you could talk about bullying. You could talk about having problems with the kid doing homework at home. You could have just a variety of common things that the teachers could play it out and they could improvise, especially if you pick the right people because they're common issues that they really mm-hmm. have to deal with and then have people have the people talk about it. And I think this can help not only – the the rookie teachers, the new teachers, but I think it can help experienced teachers, and I think it can really lead to a lot of very rich discussion over how do you handle this? How does our school, our culture, handle this as well?
0: It would be a great way to use uh, Socratic Circles uh, to observe you know, the simulation going on the role-playing and then switch in and out. Absolutely. It a great way to... Right. It. Yeah, Socratic Circles would be perfect for that.
1: A little role-playing and then... You know, you can have somebody else pick it up and and kind of go from there. So I like
0: the pop and fresh dough role playing. Okay. That's just you know I thought I'd throw that in there at this moment. It's, it seemed like appropriate, to
1: All right. Well, let's let's kind of wrap up here with. Uh,
0: <laughs> we'll roll it along. Some
1: events and happenings. Oh God, <laughs> that was good. I'll give
0: you that one. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> right Uh, so then uh, there are some not a whole lot um the a couple that i do want to mention um middle school education national middle school association is looking for a research and middle level education journal still uh there's so you know get your get your things in if you're interested for that especially if you're recently um unemployed um The Institute for Middle-Level Leadership in Santa Ana, Pueblo in New Mexico and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The registration is still open. The deadline has been extended. So, still seats available if you're looking for a chance to pick up a conference during the summer. That might be for you. Uh, Let's see here. Schools to Watch Conference is June 25th through 27th in Washington, D.C. Conference information is on the website. The Educational Technology Leadership Conference in... That's not right. That's not right. We, you know, our secretary made a typo. The Michigan Joint Educational uh, Conference is going to be June 24th at Holt High School. And um, uh, if you should, if you just show up and register, they're waiving the $20 late registration fee. Mm-hmm. So you can still get in. And there's going to be 60 uh, concurrent sessions. And the keynote speaker is going to be the Michigan Teacher of the Year. He's a third-grade teacher who incorporates technology into his curriculum. So he's going to talk about that, I think. And Sean is going
1: to have an awesome presentation.
0: That's
1: right, because awesome. I'm going to be
0: presenting. I'm going to be presenting Troy, <laughs> who is going to do this wonderful talk on something, on uh, how Sean is going to. <laughs> okay, let's so we're going to run up. a mutual admiration society. <laughs> That's right, in room 104. <laughs> Uh, classroom 2.0, the Ning Vlog and of course the, uh, the Illuminate discussion. Uh, this week it's going to be the buzz about Learn Central. So Steve Harganon is going to be his own guest presenter. Excellent. Online today, so you have to. And learn if you, you and know, if you miss uh, that, they they do archive those,
1: so you can always go back and, and catch on to those.
0: And we have a link to the archive content, so if you want to yep. see what things they've done in the past, and they've got quite a few that they're they're archiving and hanging on to, so don't think it's just one thing. I mean, it's wide variety of topics. It's it's right. well worth just cycling through and looking at. Um, no specific events in Second Life, but they're still holding the regular Tuesday meetings. Uh, pop in and check them out. Um, lots of stuff going on there. Oh, they are, and they are archiving uh, their discussions. They set up, uh, one of their uh, stage areas is set up to like a TV studio. And so now you get the TV studio feel about being in the TV studio, but the cameras are actually taping the presentations so um and th- and that's what's being recorded it, it's it's very well done so take a look at that there's some pd for you this summer so and, I know, anything else
1: well oh, i i have to apologize because um for some reason the show didn't really get posted <laughs> everywhere <laughs> <clears throat> um at the end of last week so um you might be getting two of them real back to back and uh, I apologize for that We did record last week It just uh, it took me a little time To finish everything up and get it out And um, we'll try to rectify that he, this week He did post He did post <laughs> I didn't do post either <laughs> I didn't post, that was the problem <laughs> So Alright All right. Uh, yeah. This has been Middle School Matters For middle school educators
0: Who care